This is episode 22 of the Fire Protection Podcast, powered by InspectPoint. Today, my guest is Joe Meyer. Joe is a fire protection engineer. He's an owner of, of Meyer Fire LLC. He has a lot of different hats. He's involved heavily on the social side of things, uh, writing blogs, um, getting involved in exam prep. Uh, he has a, a new product called Cold Calls, which Code Calls, which is uh, you can enter a jurisdiction and bring up everything that that AHJ requires in that jurisdiction. So, pretty cool stuff. Uh, we get into a lot of uh, more fire protection engineering topics, what he's doing, what he's seen, and he's made a big big impact um, uh, via MeyerFire.com. He has a lot of uh, guests on there, and um, yeah. Great to talk to Joe, get a, an engineer's perspective on what's happening uh, with fire protection and where we see it going forward. So I uh, hope you enjoy, and please subscribe to the podcast. A little update on the InspectPoint side of life. Um, in August, InspectPoint's plan to release two large features, uh, one being the iPhone. Uh, the whole platform will be available on the iPhone now. Um, and even bigger than that, we have our service and work order platform uh, going live. Uh, there's been a bunch of uh, beta testers over the last uh, three to six months, and we've gotten rave reviews. So uh, pretty cool stuff. So stay in tune. And yeah, please subscribe to the podcast. Enjoy. Thank you much. <laughs> okay. But um, That's fine. Now, Chris did ask one time. He's like, you know, it'd be great if uh, we just had you on. I asked you like, 20 technical questions and get your get your thought on uh, a whole bunch of design topics. I was like, you know, that is like terrifying. <laughs> like, <laughs> as, as an engineer, uh, that would be like my worst nightmare is uh, coming in unprepared, not knowing what questions are going to be asked. Technical, technical questions being asked. And then be put on the spot with an, with a large audience. I was like, absolutely not. I <laughs> yeah, I know. And then, and then uh, everything's documented at that point. Exactly. You know, they're going to be listening like, wow, this guy's an idiot. I just looked into that yesterday, you know, and, and he's completely wrong. Yeah. Right. All right. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Um, so, yeah, let's just kick it off. We got uh, uh, on the podcast today, we've got uh, Joe Meyer. Um, Meyer, not Mayer, right? Meyer. Yeah, that's Meyer, right. Joe yeah. Meyer. He's, he's a professional engineer. He owns his own uh, uh, um, fire protection engineering firm called Meyer Fire. Uh, I know you have a, a couple other avenues as well that you kind of get into. Um, I'll let you give a welcome to the podcast. I'll let you, get, let, let you give a, a couple little minutes on talking about what you're doing. Well, thanks, Drew. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan. So uh, I've got my hand in a, in a few different pots. Uh, first, like you said, is the consulting practice. So I'm an independent fire protection engineer. I started my own uh, practice last fall in October 2019. And so I've been uh, doing mostly shop drawing design, uh, sprinkler and, and standpipe work for uh, smaller fire sprinkler contractors. And that's about 80% of my work. Uh, I also run and, and write uh, online at MeyerFire.com. And uh, that's that's grown into a, a pretty uh, <clears throat> big website. You know, there's, there's a decent following there, but that, I cover weekly articles there. I've got a forum uh, that uh, covers fire protection topics where people can post questions, and, and there's a lot of experts that are way more knowledgeable than I am uh, on there. So that's a, that's a great avenue that's, that's 
grown past few years. And uh, really the last piece is I, I offer PE exam prep for the fire protection space and a, uh, a small software package that's kind of the quick hitting tools that I use when I'm designing. And that's that's on that Meyer Fire site as well. Nice. Yeah, I've been I've been digging into it the last few days, and um, I, I've been on it before. I'm, I'm very intrigued in your blog. You know, when when I when you know previous to this, I, I worked for Viking and Tyco, so heavily involved yeah. with a lot more of the fire protection engineers from the design aspects. Um, but every time I I'm trying to think of back to then and and, and dealing with fire protection engineers on design. I, none of them were really is digital digital savvy. I don't know how, how you want to call it, but nobody was really blogging. So uh, it, it's it's refreshing to see that, and hopefully there's definitely more of that um, coming. Uh, why yeah. why did why did you decide to go so much di- so digital? I guess yeah. in your business. Yeah. Well, uh, first off, from from you know engineers. We naturally tend to be risk averse, and uh, we're we're morbidly afraid of, you know, liability, and that's that's part of the engineering practice is taking responsibility for design and uh, you know really owning design professionally, and so I think there's there's a natural barrier to writing content online, and and that's engineers don't want to be wrong, and when you publish something, uh, it's if you are wrong, it's not a, a one client conversation, you know, in a meeting room where a project goes bad and you got to make fixes and, and pay for it. Uh, but when you publish it, you know, you make a mistake and it's broadcast to 5,000 people saying, Hey, I, I, you know, I'm the moron. And so I think there's, there's a, a natural barrier to, uh, to publishing and, and especially blogging where it's a, a more casual atmosphere, uh, for engineers. And that's, that's, kind of what I was trying to get past and break through, at least initially, is, you know, I, I've always felt that fire protection is just, it's really interesting, but it's also really important, you know, we're in the business of life safety. And in some respects, we got to get past that barrier for uh, for knowledge sharing, just because the, the content's too important. So when I, when I started writing, it was really about, here's lessons I've learned the hard way, here's things that... Um, I've, we've had to fix on jobs or I got wrong and, or, or things that I've researched heavily and, uh, there's not a lot of great content. So here it is, here's, here's, you know, in the weeds from a designer engineer perspective on some of these issues. And, um, you know, initially I was, I was really just writing to maybe 10 people, five of which, you know, were my mom under different <laughs> email addresses, right? but, <laughs> and it, you know, it was like, you know, a new subscriber a month or two new, you know, if I got two in a week, I was over the moon. And so it was, you know, it was, it was in some respects, it was a very limited space and I, I there wasn't a whole lot that I could get wrong. And, and it, it's just, you know, I started writing and, and getting a little bit better and getting a little bit of feedback on, hey, we like these articles, we hate these articles. And so, uh, you know, yeah. trying to steer in the right direction and, and it's it's grown. I mean, it's, I've been, I guess I've been writing consistently now for maybe a couple, maybe two, three years. And uh, it's a large audience. It's a very engaged audience too. But that's, that's how, you know, that's how we know fire protection people to be You're very engaged and very passionate they are. about getting things right. So yeah, I, I do see uh, blogging as uh, growing. Uh, you know, the more uh, millennials get confidence and uh, you kind of move up the 
chain of command. I do see that becoming more popular. It's already become more popular. Uh, you know, Chris Campbell with the Building Code blog, he started earlier this year, and that's been a, like a raging success right out of the gate. So um, that's and that's at buildingcode.blog, www.buildingcode.blog. Um, there's, uh, you know, there's you with the podcast, Chris Logan's doing the podcast, Aaron Johnson. I don't think he's a, a fire protection engineer, but he writes on the building code. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Him. Uh, yeah. And so that, yeah, there's, you know, there's more and more that that's, that's, you know, cropping up. And I, I, I do see that as a growing trend and, and a really good thing for the fire protection space. No, no, I agree. You're getting, you're getting information out there and especially, you know, with what's going on now, uh, it kind of fits even better because, you know, people are communicating more virtually. So, um, you know, right. I, I've, we, we have our blog and I've, I've tossed in a couple, I had never done it really. I had never done it until I came to inspect point, but it, it's pretty in, informal. It's kind of what you believe in and what you, what you've learned over the years. So it's, uh, the tough part is just, I don't know how you do it every few days. <laughs> it's yeah, it's exactly time consuming. It. <laughs> it is, it is. And, uh, it, you know, some, some of those posts are right. And, and some of them are, you know, cheat sheets or tools or, uh, excuse me, I, I, I'm, uh, I'm in quarantine with the dog. She spends the ah, day with me. So that's I, all right. That wasn't me growling and that wasn't my stomach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lunchtime. Yeah. <laughs> Haven't used that one before. Um, but yeah, the consistency is really tough and that's really key when it comes to blogging. Uh, you know, some of the posts I write will take six to eight hours between doing the research, uh, putting it down, working on the visuals and then publishing it. You know, some of them that are, that are a little more casual, you know, may only be a couple hours a week, but, right. uh, that was, that was really honestly part of me making the jump to, uh, doing my own practice is that more time to be able to write uh, for that audience. So it is, it is tough and it's, you know, some weeks more than others, it's, it's kind of a grind to make sure that I'm getting content out and not just content as you know, but actually useful, helpful content sure. that, uh, you know, that the users are interested in. Cause if it's, if it's not helpful in some ways and I feel, you know, I feel like I'm just, you're gonna lose uh, it. yeah, you lose subscribers. Yeah. I'm like the, the blonde hairball behind me that just market, you know, it's, it's not, <laughs> not really what I want to be. So, so. so the other, uh, you got the blog, but, um, I signed up for the, the daily and the weekly. Um, is that, that's not a blog. That's just, um, is that more of a forum? It is, it is. It's, it, it's, it's kind of a curated, um, space for people to post questions anonymously. So, uh, there, there's forums that exist, uh, AFSA, I believe NFSA uh, have their own sprinkler forums. There's email forums out there. There's Reddit. There's Facebook groups. Uh, those are all great. NFPA has an exchange uh, where you can post questions. There's there's lots of formats that exist to kind of share knowledge and ask questions. Uh, the, I was repeatedly seeing for a period of time that uh, those those formats can either be overwhelmed with questions or uh, the content that the actual questions ask can range from super specific, highly complex topics that, you know, really need expert opinions to the very, very basic of need to know if I, uh, if I've need to know if I need a pump, this isn't an FPA 13 system. And it, and you're like, <laughs> time out. Like there's a lot right. to cover in just that one, one topic. So, yeah. 
what I did with the, the daily forum is it's a space where you can ask a very basic question to a very complex question. The audience is there, they're engaged and they're, they're have way more expertise than, than sure. I do, which is great. But I'm curating the questions and uh, posting it anonymously. So if somebody is entry level, they don't need to be uh, yeah. you know, burned good. at the stake for asking a bad question. But at the same time, um, you know, that's out there for everybody to discuss. And there's only one question a day, and that's very intentional. So it's in some ways, it's everybody can learn something from that discussion and exchange without, you know, throwing Bill under the bus because he, you know, asked ask a terrible question. Right. No, it's it's I, I like it. I've been I've been it's mostly designs. So I was like, oh, you got any inspection stuff in here? And there's a couple things here or there, but it's mostly yeah. mostly design. Um, yeah, I like your little leader, leaderboard as well. That's uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. How who's posted and everything, but um, yeah. no, that's great. Yeah, I think I think it's very valuable to the industry. Um, hopefully, some you get some more uh, people subscribing from this. You know, you've got a lot of tools on there. Um, I am interested in the, um, you know, the the software calc tools. Um, yeah. Uh, what was the one I was looking at? The fire pump analyzer. What was that yeah. one? Where did I, I guess I? You know, you have a bunch of tools in here to, or, you know, for flow calculations and um, uh, structural bracing and all that. But the, well, I guess what's the most used one out there? Do you? I think, and not judging from analytics, but just judging from my own use, I think the friction loss uh, calculator and the obstruction tools are the two that I'm I'm constantly on, uh, if not daily, then every other day. And the friction loss is a, is a great way to estimate your pipe sizes. If you've got a residential senior living facility and you're wondering what your main size should be between a fire pump and, and 400 feet down the line. Well, with that friction loss tool, you could punch in, okay, I've got four sprinklers operating at 18 uh, gallons per minute individually. So I know I've got, you know, 90 to a hundred gallons flowing through that main. Well, if it's 400 feet of main, basically with, with only three inputs, you can get a comparison of friction loss for all these different pipe sizes and it's very visual it's very easy to see and you can you know in an instant know oh okay well a two inch will work fine because i've got cpvc or a two and a half inch because i've got schedule 40 steel or you know it's and, and that's that's really nice as just a an estimator as i'm designing so as i'm laying things out initially i've got a really good kind of honed in ballpark size on what these pipes need to be well before everything's ever connected and I can hydraulically calc. Sure. So I, I, I find that that's one is, is particularly popular. It's also really good for uh, sizing underground mains. Right. And, um, and, and the other one is the obstruction rules. And that's, you know, I don't uh, have those good. tables memorized. And when I'm laying out, yeah. it's, it's really nice to say, oh, okay, well, I've got a soffit. I know the depth. I know the, you know, the, the distance from the sprinkler, or I think I know about the range of, of where I want the sprinkler to be. And with it, with just a few inputs, boom! Here's the rules. Here's a diagram of what it, what the layout actually is dimensioned, and uh, you know you can tell really quick whether you're violating an obstruction or not. So those those two are, are kind of the quick hitters. But that's that's essentially the whole emphasis of uh, the program that I've got is we've got very fancy Cadillac hydraulic calculation programs 
that are way more powerful sure. uh, than anything I'll ever create, and rightfully so. And we we use those, and we need those, and those are those are phenomenal. Um, but below that, you know, there's there's kind of this void for just quick hitting, uh, really quick, responsive. Uh, I don't know that I wouldn't, I'm hesitant to say cheaper, but just fast tools that you use for everyday tasks. And that's, that's my goal is to help speed up those. The, it's, it's the lookup tables or it's the quick calculations the, the things you would normally have to write out or, or do on your calculator real quick. Well, with these, with less input, you can have a real powerful feedback. Yeah, you, you see, you got a clean agent one in there too. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, more or less an estimator based on NFPA 2001. No, no, that's good. I, I always had that. I was always struggling to get that when I was, um, you know, or putting estimates together for, for some of that, you know, for volumes in the room. So that's, that's yeah. great. It's all, Excel, yeah, some, it's all Excel based or is it web based? Yeah, it's Excel based. It's uh, so I've got Excel online basically okay. is, is how it's pulling it off. And so um, you don't necessarily have to have Excel to pull it off. The two that are most, research intensive uh, that took a, a number of months. There's a sprinkler database on yeah, there. Yeah, that was the which, other one I flagged. Yeah, it's just, it, it's an inventory of like 15,000 different models of sprinklers and all the different versions for each model. So, so there's not 15,000 models, but there's 15,000 versions. And uh, that's an incredibly powerful tool because you've, if you've got a residential uh, you know, unit, going back to that example, and it's it's a 16 by 18 space and you want to use a residential sidewall. Well, in a, again, in a matter of seconds, you can filter really quickly and find the sprinkler that has the lowest required pressure for that yep. space. Yep, yep. And that could save you on pipe size or, sure. you know, if you're wondering, Hey, does a, you know, does a concealed space sprinkler at 144 square foot spacing exist in a K 4.2? Well, click, click, click. Oh yeah. There's three models. Here's what I've got to choose from. And so those, those were extremely exhaustive research efforts, but now that they exist, those, those have been really I might, helpful. Uh, I might uh, get with you offline after this to, to get a free trial of that because I'm interested because right. we have some stuff in our software that, um, you know, because we run analytics. Does that, have a, does that have older sprinklers too or is it just the current ones that you designed to? It does. Uh, it, it's got some. Okay. It's, not a, it's not an exhaustive. And then, so that's... For, for that database, that's kind of my next end goal. It would be really nice to look up, hey, this is a, a Grinnell or a yeah, Central yeah, exactly. That's the F model from 1987. Is it, you know, is it recalled or is it not? Because that's what you guys are seeing all the time is you got to yep. look up, is this recalled? And you, you probably have a handful of lists that you keep handy to know what is and what isn't before, you know, for uh, a hard-headed engineer like me that's walking in. Um, it would be really nice to look up a SIN number and be able to pick that off really quick. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, that's a huge service item, and it's it's you know it's quick response sprinklers have been around since the '80s, but really they've been start you know they're um, um, used a lot. You know, really in the 2000s, '90s, 2000s, they're really becoming more prevalent, right? So yeah. all those 20 year um, per FP at 25, the 20 year, uh, quick response, you know, tests, you know, that's, that's a huge thing. You got to drain down your system. You got to take a sample of your heads out. You got to send them off for testing. So it's a huge issue potentially. Yeah. So that's um, right. 
I'm going to get a copy of that after this from you, <laughs> if you don't mind. <laughs> for sure. For sure. There's some updates that are coming on that next week, which will make it a little bit more uh, user-friendly where you can sort and so you can already filter the results and search for different K factors or different requirements. But uh, after next week, you'll be able to like sort the list also. So uh, of the 16 models that you have, you know, you can sort it from the lowest pressure requirement to the highest or lowest K factor to the highest or, you know, however you need to, to diagram sure. information. It's going to have a little more powerful analytics. So we're, we're excited about that around here. Yeah. I like the, the, the same thing with the fire pump analysis, which we, we currently do a, a decent job per the, per the code. We have all the requirements, but it'd be nice to toss some, some advanced analytics on fire pumps because, you know, the annual test, you're always seeing something different usually. So that's right. That's right. Yeah. And you know, like, so what I've got, you know, you can, you punch in your flow test information, a rough system demand, and again, you can you can kind of dial in your fire pump size or what's needed just based off some some basic inputs. So sure, it's, it's not the it's not the full fledged hydraulic calculation that you end up with, but right. if you're estimating, you know, you're bidding a job or something like that, or, or that client keeps keeps pestering you because they want to know the electrical wants to know how many horsepower uh, right uh, is behind your pump. Well, th there you go. You know, it's it's it'll get you there. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully, uh, people check that out. I, I know there's a, a by far the biggest extensive toolkit I've seen so far. So that's great. Yeah. Well, thanks. We, we, we again, it's it's more or less like the fun tools I kind of tend to create for myself. Yeah. Right. Put them out to the market. Yeah, opening it up and saying, you know, somebody else can benefit other than like you know the guy in his office. Um, kind of transitioning over to your, your, your prep stuff. Um, I know you, you, you kind of probably, you, you said you started with a lot of the exam prep. Is that where you kind of started with this, this whole website? Yeah. Yeah. So in, in, uh, I took the PE exam, I believe it was 2014 and around that time, uh, SFPE had a review course and they had a reference manual, but really other than that, there was a few third party things, but um, it's just it's kind of frustrated with the availability of yeah. material to study from. And it's, it's a real pain point uh, for everybody that I was uh, taking the exam with then. But as I found out, it had been a, a pain point for a, a lot longer before that. The problem with the fire protection P exam is there's really only 200 to maybe 250 at most examinees each year. So all of these big PE study books, uh, like, you know, for civil engineering or mechanical engineering, right. well, they're selling, they're selling it to thousands of engineers every year or potential examinees and uh, fire protection is just so small of a space that nobody had really looked into that. So I, I put together the first year was just more or less a cheat sheet of formulas. And, uh, here's the units that you use with these formulas, or here's the assumptions you make when you're doing a smoke control analysis for venting and, and looking at plug holing or, or whatnot. And so I sold a formula sheet only to, you know, maybe a dozen people or so, but the feedback that I got on it was great. They said, you know, we'd love practice problems. Well, the next year I, I wrote a handful of practice problems and bundled it into a book and got that out and kind of started that feedback loop each year, which was, we want more problems. You know, these five problems are questionable. These five problems are junk and you need five more problems on special hazards. Okay, great. You know, and so 2017 and rewrote the book kept adding to it. And now, you know, a number of years later, 
uh, it's got it's got hundreds of of questions that have been pretty well vetted, and uh, it's a it's it's kind of a nice resource that's not it's not a, a five hundred dollar expenditure. Yeah, it's, no, that's great. It's yeah, the, the nice stuff is is good too. Uh, you got fire alarm, you got sprinkler, you got suppression. Um, the one thing you don't have is how to navigate the application for NYSET. <laughs> yeah. I always complain yeah, on this podcast it. about how it's so complicated to figure out the paperwork for NYSET, you know, between the work experience and everything else. I'm like, that's right. They should, yeah. they should make that more streamlined. I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and that's one of the questions I kept getting. So I don't cover any, any of the NYSET content and the same with CFPS. I, uh, there's an exam there that I don't cover anything on, but I do get questions a lot about, Hey, what, what exists and what's third party, what's official, what do I need to look for? And so the, those pages that I've got up on the website are more or less, Hey, here's, here's everything we found and here's links to the right spots. Um, so that if, if people are navigating for NYSET or navigating for the PE or, or CFPS, no, that's great. That's, They've got a resource they can find these things. Yeah, you got FireTech on here, who who was on the podcast a few months ago. So, yeah, um, yeah, got got a hand a handful of uh, books from those guys. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, this is I'll I'll, uh, I'll definitely I might even actually send this out when we push push the uh, push the stuff for the podcast out because the nice you know everybody at least in, in the inspection side there's some sort of nice set either required or you should be getting some some sort of certification there. So yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's great. Um, um, last kind of little topic I wanted to chat about was you kind of, meant, you know, back in the day, it's not that long ago that I was doing a lot of fire protection engineer, um, I guess, consultation, helping them out with different uh, Viking products and Tyco products and stuff like that. Um, you made a comment the other day that you've you've kind of gone full Revit. Um, yeah. and 3d and, and all the BIM stuff, uh, that was, I mean, I've only been out of it for, for probably two and a half, three years now. I, I haven't heard of anybody else doing that. Maybe, maybe people are starting to, to move that way, but, um, what, what's your, why'd you do that? Why'd you move full Revit? Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I was at a, uh, seminar. It was a software company led seminar. This was back in, I think, 2016, 2017. And in the room, there were maybe about 40 different companies and about 60 or 70 different people there. <clears throat> and it was uh, here here in St. Louis. And the question was, are you using CAD? Are you using Revit? And uh, we were the only ones that were 100% in Revit at that time. And uh, the, the next question was, are you wanting to be in Revit or are you wanting to stay 100% in CAD? And about two thirds of the room, you know, expressed that they wanted to be in Revit and more familiar with Revit, which I thought was really interesting. And, you know, for engineers on the consulting side, it's easy to dabble in Revit and it's easy to be in Revit because the architects are uh, designing projects in Revit already. Right. So there's a, a natural, you know, keeping with the keeping up with the architects. And there's there's consultants out there that still do exclusively CAD, but they're becoming fewer and fewer. And uh, Revit on the consulting side, you know, is is easier to dabble in. On um, also, you know, when engineering graduates come out, sometimes they have Revit training. I know for my undergrad, you know, I I, I got some background in Revit. 
Um, and so they're, they're familiar with that space. They're doing that on the shop drawing side for contractors. You know, we've had this really long legacy that's been exclusively CAD. And when I say CAD, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about the, the Hydrotech, the Sprint CAD, uh, the different, yep. uh, different versions of that. Auto Sprint has their own third-party platform, which I wouldn't really consider to be 2D. It really is a 3D program, mm -hmm. but it's also not, uh, it's not buckled in into the Revit platform. It's really, you know, its own uh, standalone third-party workhorse. And so, you know, we've, we've had this barrier where consulting has had to shift to Revit, and they've been comfortable playing at Revit. But the contractors, uh, it, it, they, don't, they don't always have those people no. that are, have the Revit background. And so to go from no experience in Revit to going all in and being as efficient in Revit as you are in CAD is a tough hill to climb. Sure. It is a it is a steep learning curve. And I, I'm I you know I work with uh, sprinkler contractors who have design outfits, and um, they you know most of the time the feedback that I'm getting is oh yeah we've got a, a person or two that's got a Revit license and they've, they're going through some training now or they're dabbling with it or we're trying it out on a project. Um, but that's been kind of the status for the past three or four years. And the, the, the problem with that is there's so many nuances to Revit and Revit is a very needy program in that you can't, you can't, it's, you can't come in with a CAD background thinking in CAD ways and go into Revit and say, okay, this is how I did it before. This program needs to still operate on that workflow. It's sure. almost like you, you got to say, all right, Revit, I get it. I'm the idiot. I am going to figure out how Revit is thinking about this, and I'm going to think about it from that workflow and work from the, that, that program's first mindset. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, really in order to do that, it was, it was 2016 for for us, and then we said we're going to do exclusively Revit. We're not doing any more CAD at all. We're going all, all both feet in. Everything is everything is Revit. And we're going to figure out a, a way to get this done faster. And it it took legitimately a full two years, wow, of doing design in Revit before we got as fast at it as we were in CAD. Right. And that's, that's that's a substantial you know wall to break through. And that was even coming from the background of having Revit experience and knowing sure. a little bit about it. But, um, you know, on the other side, being, being two years past that point now, uh, I, you know, and again, this is, this is shop drawing work. This isn't, you know, performance spec engineering drawings. This is, this is fully engaged installation yep. ready shop drawing work that's coming out of Revit. Uh, it's, it's just, there's, there's a whole world of opportunity on the other end. And I'm seeing, you know, what, what used to take me, you know, a four day project, I could get done in one and it's not just about, okay. Cause, cause on the onset I'm thinking, okay, if somebody says it used to take four days and now it takes one, clearly they're just glancing over things. They shouldn't be glancing over. They're not as detailed as they should be, or they're not as involved in the project as they should be. And that's really not reality. The reality is that I've cut out all of the, the pieces of the project that don't relate to quality or don't relate to communicating the design intent to the guys in the field. Mm -hmm. I'm spending more time looking at obstructions or looking at uh, the, 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 the system in three dimensions, or I, I'm looking at a theater and I've got slope pipe 
that matches precisely on these floating cloud ceilings for the theater. And it's, I, I'm, I'm doing all of that in real time and at a much faster pace because I'm designing and modeling in 3D as opposed to, you know, CAD based where you're looking at a plan view and then you're cutting and drawing a section and then you're going back to plan and you're, you're doing some geometry and some arithmetic and you're trying to guess on, on some slopes to get things to, to work out right and match. You know, when you're, when you're all in and you're a 3D, that stuff is just, it's, you know, you're seeing things in re real space. Right. At any point, <laughs> I can take a section of the system, blow it up into 3D and see exactly how the system is going to lay out. And sure. it's, you know, I've, I've heard the comparison that, uh, you know, once once you're all in, and not necessarily Revit, but, but even it, just Revit was the example. Once you're all in and you're working in 3D, going back to CAD feels like you're designing with the remote control because you're just not, you're not seeing the whole picture right you know when you when you get into attic systems and uh, oh, you've yeah. got a truss configuration and you're trying to slope a dry system perpendicular to the slope of the attic i mean there, there's a whole yeah. uh, handful of geometries working there if you've got a, sure. a 712 roof pitch and you've you're sloping your your dry system branch lines down opposite the other way well in cad you know you kind of got to do some rise over run lengths oh, yeah. calculations and if you're working only in plan view then you're making some estimates about where exactly that pipe should be uh you know if you're if you're in 3d and you're living that it's you know it's click click boom you know exactly the height that one end is at you you can run it the other way it's just it's it's a completely different game yep. and um it's you know I, it's it's a uh it's definitely a hill to climb but on the other end I mean, the, the stuff that I'm, I'm not, I'm not really trying to, to, um, you know, pat myself on the back here or, or say that's better approach than anybody else. But, but I am saying that the efficiencies that you gain on the back end and the kind of quality sure. of, uh, of, of submittals is just, it, it's just totally different. Yeah. You know, if, if I'm going to do a, a full project cut through, uh, for, for a job, you know, take a theater, for example, I can, I can slice it 10 different ways. And in five minutes have that, all those sections cleaned up on the drawings live, you know, and if, if you wanted to cut 10 different sections of your system for a CAD based design, like that's, that's time. That's, yeah. that's real tough, you right. know, and it's, and if you make a you know, God forbid you make a change, uh, you know, now you got to redraw it 10 different times, yeah. you know, when, when you're in 3d, it's, it's live, it's right. you, you're, you're working in section, you're working in 3d, you're working in plan. They're all, they're all really one. And, uh, it's neat. I mean, it's the analytics on it are just incredible because, uh, you know, a CPVC system for, for assisted living, you know, I could tell you exactly with it, with a few clicks, how many one-inch elbows are on there? How many right. reducing keys, sprinkler adapters? I've got a bill of materials that's that's live and that's represented by the actual model, and I because I know what you know, I yep. know what's in there. Yeah, the bill of materials is huge. You know, that comes the uh, down the other end of the contractor for for bidding, quoting, or just yeah. uh, you know purchasing and and all that. So huge power. Yeah, I know uh, Vikings partner, partnered up with Auto Sprink um, to do some stuff there, and you know some of the other. Um, suppliers have done that as well, you know, with their BIM, BIM models and all that. But I know, uh, even on the cut lists, you know, for, for pipe fabrication, you know, that yeah. it, it gets into that to make that even more efficient. So, yeah, for, for people, I should say for people who are 
working in that Revit space or living in there, if they don't already know, there's a handful of really good programs. Uh, Victolic Tools for Revit is about $200 per license per year. Uh, it's not an annual subscription, but if you've got Revit 2020, you just buy it once for 200 bucks and you get their, their kit of tools. Um, that's great for pipe routing, for uh, deleting pipe, for connecting different pieces together. Um, and it's kind of a must have if you're drawing pipe in Revit. Viking, which you just mentioned, Viking's got a, a Revit add-in now that brings in Viking suite of uh, equipment and they've got some sprinkler layout tools on there and, and that one's free and that's so that's that's good right. uh, there is auto sprink rvt which um, i'm working a ton with now and that's it, it you know if you're if you're committed and need hydraulic calculations out of revit uh, it's phenomenal it's not inexpensive but the payback's definitely there it, it is it is a really good program i also use uh, HydroCAD for Revit, they've got a suite where you can stock list from your model. Um, they also have layout tools that are, are great for initial sprinkler layouts and laying out pipe. And then um, I was trying to think, there's, there's a few other add-ins. If you search like Revit's Autodesk uh, suite of tools, there's other third-party add-ins that are not fire protection related but they can come in like CT CTC has a nice suite helps with sheet setup helps with, uh, you know, if you've got a model, you can import, you know, a filter real quick that says, I want to grab all two inch groove pipe on the project. We click, click, click. You've got it all change it out to inch and a half or change it to threaded or, you know, right. there's, there's a, a whole gamut of things that, uh, you know, from a CAD perspective, it might be possible to do, but it's just not as seamless as, as you right. see on the Revit side. So there's there's definitely some some great tools out there. Im improving the workflow. That's what, what that's what we're both about, right? Oh, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> all the time. Sharp, you know, sharpening the the sharpening the saw, or uh, you know, it's 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 incredible. It's uh, how how much better spent your time can be when you know you're not working on cleaning up pipe annotations for hours before a project goes out. Yeah. It's, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a totally different world on the other side. And, and I, I, you know, I know a few people that are kind of is, is dialed in and, and relentless on constantly tweaking and improving their processes, but, uh, it's, it, it's really neat. It's really neat on the other end. Yeah. It's good yeah. stuff. I mean, um, I, I wish, I wish well, no, oh, people are starting to do that, you know, with the technology, with the software out there, um, whether, whoever, whether you're designing, whether you're just, uh, you know, a task on your phone to help you, help you with your, you know, whatever task that you're doing every day, Evernote and stuff like that. So you just got to be open to it these days to, to improve the process, eventually maybe have more free time or, you know, generate more revenue at the end of the day. So that's right. That's right. It's, you know, it's, I, I feel like it's some people kind of have that inkling to just be constantly tweaking the process or finding ways to improve. And, uh, you know, if, if you're uh, not to sound too pointed, but you know, if your company is still going about design the same way that they were five years ago or the same way that they were three years ago, you should really take a good hard look at that because there's so much that's changed even just so recently, uh, not just Revit, but even around Revit. Um, there's just, there's so much opportunity on that other side 
uh, once you get past those those initial startup hurdles. Um, it's 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 really neat to see. No, that's good. Good to good to hear. Good to, to learn. You know, since I've uh, made the transition over to the the ITM and service side, it's uh, it's good to hear that's progressing a little on the engineering and and design side. So, um, yeah. Before we uh, uh, get going, I want to do a you know good old quick response round to to get your opinion on a few uh, a few quick hit questions. You don't know what's coming here. All right. Um, All right little nervous, but okay. Yeah, it's all right. Um, so starting off, um, are you a, a Cubs or a Cards fan? <laughs> um, that's easy, but it's a little <laughs> bit dangerous. I've got uh, uh, Cubs fans who are clients of mine and very, very, very good clients of mine. And I like working in Chicago. I like to think St. Louis, you know, in a way we're, we're kind of just Chicago wannabes um, in terms of speed of city and things got going on. Uh, but I, I'd be lying right now if I, if I told you I wasn't wearing a Cardinals hat. So ah, there you go. <laughs> what, what do you think is going to happen? What, what, what do you think is going to happen to the season? Well, you know, it sounds like everybody's incentivized to get this thing rolling and uh, get back in there. You know, a few years ago we saw in Baltimore when they played a game without the fans and it was just one of the most bizarre sporting events I've, I've ever watched. Right. So, I, you know, it, it'll be different, but part of me says, you know, there's just too much at stake for them not to have a season. So we'll, we'll find out pretty soon. Yeah, it's weird. I, I, how How is sports going to come back? I, I'm, I'm a big golf fan. I'm a big baseball fan as well, but golf golf seems to be a little easier. You know, they had they have a, a couple of exhibition things this last week and this week. And uh, but it's, it's still it's still weird. It's, it's, it's going to be, um, you know. I don't know. <laughs> sports, yeah. sports is a big part of life. That's know? right. That's right. Well, I, so you're an Eagles guy, right? I'm an Eagles fan. Yeah, you found out from the forum. I forgot about that. Um, yeah. Eagles fan. And, um, you know, growing up in New York, upstate New York, and then moving to New York City later in life, that was, uh, it was, it was always good because the Giants weren't, weren't the best in, in the times I lived there. So, uh, uh, yeah, it's weird. I'm an Eagles fan, but I am a Yankees fan. So that's Eagles and Yankees. Yeah, Ouch. I know, right? Yeah, I, I know who not to pick a fight with. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got me laughing. <laughs> well, I, mean, I, I I wouldn't be an Eagles fan um, if I knew how bad the Eagles fans were growing up. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. I was removed from that. So. Um, yeah, I, I, so I, I'm kind of a baseball nut. I, I've been to all, but I think like five or six of the ballparks now. I, I just, I love, love, love watching games in, in different cities. Uh, New York Yankees was one place I did not wear anything Cardinal. No, I should. Yeah. They're, they're, they're all right with Cardinals fans there. I mean, Red Sox fans wear Red Sox stuff there now. So it's not, it's definitely not the same, um, as it used to be. And I would definitely not. Now that I live up in Connecticut, I'm, I would definitely not wear Yankees apparel to to Boston because I think it's no, it's even more hazardous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I did. I did have a Cardinal fan, uh, a hat in um, in Fenway, and uh, I I got a few comments about that, but they're, they're you know they're pretty fun. Yeah, they're right? fun. All yeah, the yeah. It's it's all in fun. Especially I think after this, it'll even be more fun because it's like everybody everybody missed missed sports, so they just want to see something. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. 
Uh, second question here. Um, I, know, I know you definitely, I know what your answer is going to be here, but do you, you design fire alarm as well, right? I do. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've what do you like? laid out fire alarm systems for years, but I, I'm just, just getting into the shop drawing side too. What do you like better? Sprinkler or fire alarm? I, you know, um, hmm. I, I'm so focused suppression all the time that I feel like it's just, it's a little bit more of a natural fit. Um, but I've I've still dabbled in fire alarm, you know, kind of my whole way through. So I, I would say I'm most comfortable in suppression and just all the nuances in the industry and, and how that operates. Um, you know, but but it's I certainly don't mind fire alarm. I do find that interesting. Yeah, it's uh, I, you don't see too many sprinkler. Um designers like yourself that do fire alarm as well but i know i know you have a lot of that on your site so wanted to ask yeah. you well and, and you know from the forum and uh the blog post and all that I, I i do catch some heat for uh from the fire alarm folks you know wanting to feel included and uh you know fire protection is more than just the suppression side and oh, i yeah. totally realize that it's just it's so easy you know to to get caught up on the suppression side so it's <clears throat> it's it's all good. We're all we're all still family. We're all we right. Get some fire alarm stuff out occasionally. Yeah, we get. We're changing our logo now. Um, finally, we're finally changing our logo from spring. We've been doing fire alarm and uh, you know clean agent suppression, kitchen suppression for for years now. Um, probably almost since we started, but we've had the sprinkler logo. So <laughs> there's there, yeah. you know there's a little battle out there sometimes. So we're uh, deciding we got to go more neutral neutral ground here soon. Yeah. Yeah. That's but, fair. Um, last question. Um, what, what do you prefer Tyco Viking or reliable? And sorry, oh, sorry, sorry, Victoric people, but you know, they don't have the head heads as the, uh, the other three. Do. <laughs> so my, my, my buddies at Victoric aren't going to like that, but, um, anyway, do you have ever you preference? Know? I know you, I probably know what your answer is, but, uh, I'll let you go I'm, I'm just going to walk a line and not say any of them. Is that, is that what you think? <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, I have found that uh, different sprinklers for different applications. So I'm a, I'm a design guy. I'm a design first guy. And, uh, uh, you know, I've, I've, I always ask my clients if they have a preference one way or another. And most of them do. Uh, I, I've had preferences for Tyco. I've had preferences for Globe. I've had preferences for Reliable, and I've had ref, uh, preferences for Viking. So um, I, I, you know, I design really across all of the lines, and and that's just usually one of the early on questions I get from the installers. But uh, that being said, I mean, from um, <clears throat> if I don't get any preferences, you know, a lot of times it's it's just what what sprinkler is. Uh, not so far from the standard that it's going to be too pricey, but fits the design, you know, precisely. Because if I can shave off a couple pounds on your starting pressure, then that could impact, a, a, you know, a pipe size down the road or a main size or something like that. So being designed first, I, I'm, I'm less loyal to, you know, any one individual brand than I am, uh, you know, trying to get the design right. Yeah. So I, I, I knew your answer. <laughs> i don't have a preference anymore either that's why i can ask the question <laughs> that's fair um that's... well uh that that's it joe um um 
appreciate you coming on. I'll, I'll let you uh, kind of give uh, your last thoughts, any, any contact information where we can find you, what you got coming up. So, uh, you know, the floor is yours. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on. First off, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's great catching up and, and, uh, this is really kind of a, a nice format. Uh, if people are looking for me, you can find me at, uh, meyerfire.com. Uh, you know, when you're, when your last name rhymes with fire, you just kind of got to go with it. So, um, that's M E Y E R fire.com. And, uh, yeah, on the horizon, there's, there's two big things I'm working on. One is there's a NFSA handbook which is a collection of all of the expert of the day opinions that NFSA has published. It's their, their informal opinions uh, dating back to, I think, 2004 through 2018. We're, we're compiling those into a, a, a two-volume handbook series that answers basically 1,900 of the most uh, popular questions on suppression systems, and that should be out later this summer. I'm, I'm Fortunately, those are not my opinions. Those are uh, from people much, much smarter than me. I'm just helping compile it and put some visuals to it. But that's that's a handbook that's going to be out later this summer. So look out for that because I, th I think that's going to be a real great resource for the industry. Uh, the other <clears throat> item I'm working on is um, a free tool. It's codecalls.org. And uh, we're, what we're doing is kind of compiling a, a jurisdictional database for local requirements around the country. And so right now we're honed in on the state of Indiana and uh, using that as our test case to see whether the concept is viable or not. But in the end, you know, you should be able to search for your project zip code, uh, see what the jurisdiction is in the area, and then know right right offhand what the hydraulic safety factor is and oh, whether wow. your pumps require backup power, wow. that kind of thing. That's That's been an ask from designers since forever. Um, and I think we're, we're getting close to having the ability to pull that off with, with the community that exists now. So that's, that's a, a very slow moving project, but it's a big one. And, uh, if you're in Indiana or you're, um, you know, co-jurisdiction or no, no people that are on the review side, uh, check that out. That's at codecalls.org. Okay, great. Yeah. Good stuff, Joe. Um, well, you, you're, you're a busy man. Um, <laughs> Got a lot of different irons in the fire, so. Yeah, that's what my wife says, yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate you coming on, and um, yeah, I'll, I'll get this. Uh, we'll hear from you soon, and uh, I'll put everything in the, the podcast notes, and make sure to check out uh, MeyerFire.com. You got it. Thanks so much, Drew. A lot of fun. Take care. I want to thank Joe Meyer again for being on the podcast today. MeyerFire.com, MeyerFire LLC. Joe's got a lot going. Uh, wealth of knowledge from the professional engineering world uh, on his site and with his firm. So, uh, yeah, appreciate all the listenership. Uh, we've got a, a, a nice series coming up with a few more podcasts as well as we'll be talking about uh, one with some pretty large features within SpecPoint that are coming out in August. So, stay tuned and stay safe. <laughs>